Tag Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Welcome to Extension Horses Tack Box Talk Series, Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine with Oklahoma State University, and rejoining the podcast today is Dr. Carrie Williams from Rutgers University, who is going to update us a little bit on Pinky and Mickey. So welcome, Carrie. Thank you for having me again. It's been about a year since we actually had some conversations about pretty big injuries or problems, health issues with horses. Um, and that's when we uh, talked about Pinky and Mickey. But earlier in our podcast series, we actually met Pinky when you were telling us how to manage uh, thin horses. And then unfortunately, Pinky's story continued because she had ulcers as well. So before we do her injuries, give us the update on Pinky's weight and ulcers. <laughs> Well, so Pinky is one of those uh, off-the-track thoroughbreds, uh, you know, very high metabolism and, and always kind of that hard-keeping horse. So she's she's never really fat, and when she is fat, she actually looks great uh, for her. So um, throughout everything and her layup, you know, which we'll talk about, um, we managed her pretty well. Granted, some people would think she's still thin. She might be on the body condition scale of a four and a half, maybe five-ish, just because you can always see her ribs just a little bit. Um, but, you know, when she's on good grass and good pasture turnout in the summer, she looks fantastic. It's just usually when the grass goes away and the hay declines in the winter, uh, things start to decrease just a little bit. But uh, you know, really, we've been able to manage her on a pretty well all forage diet with, you know, a little bit of, of grain and, you know, she needs a fat supplement, but. Um, and certainly we know that, uh, and we're going to refresh everybody's minds here. Um, we met Pinky's injury. It's almost a year ago that we heard about she had uh, fractured her accessory carpal bone. Is that correct? Yes, that, that is correct. And you're right. It was about a year since we heard about it, but we're going on uh, about a year and a half since the injury. So I've got lots of updates. <laughs> so yeah, well, let's uh, maybe just get started there. Maybe uh, Pinky is fat because you haven't been able to do as much with her. <laughs> and that is a very good point. Yeah, she's been on layup. Um, you know, it's been a year and a half since the injury. It was July of 2019. Um, she had the injury. Um, when we did the first podcast, which definitely highly recommend going back and listening to that because there was a lot of other pretty uh, good injury stories other than just Pinky. But she, you know, for an off-the-track thoroughbred mare who wasn't all that old, she's uh, 13 now, so, you know, she would have been just uh, 11 back then. She actually handled stall rest very well. And by stall rest, I mean six months of zero turnout. Um, just because any little anything could have re-injured it, re-fractured it. And all, it, for those of you who don't know, the accessory carpal bone is if you go to your horse and you look down the back of their front leg, there's a bone at their knee that sticks out in the back and you can feel it. 
that is the accessory carpal bone. It's a fairly big bone and it's a major bone for all the muscle attachments that go up and down the foreleg and all of, and, and there's actually the carpal canal there, which all the tendons that go all the way down to the hoof run through that carpal canal. So not only was it extremely painful just to even do a little bit of bending and walking because of all that attachment sites, it also was rubbing on all the tendons and ligaments underneath it. So an extremely painful, uh, painful injury. So, so yeah, lots, lots of layup, uh, lots of vet checks. Um, but I guess to, to jump ahead, let's go back to the one year mark on her. Injury. Yeah. Cause last, I remember last January, we were talking, I think she had had her first tiny bit of turnout, like in a small space. <laughs> so, so what has the last year been like? Yeah. So yeah, the tiny little round pen and wasn't even round. Um, we had to make it smaller cause you know, horses could run in tiny little circles. So, um, so we, we started weaning her on to a little more turnout and a little more turnout. And then finally, oh, maybe nine months out, we had her on, on pretty full turnout. And the key was to leave her out. Um, her issue was when you get turned out in the morning, it was like a yeehaw free-for-all. So in order to get that kind of out of her system, um, and yes, using a little sedative in the process was definitely helpful. Um, but to wean her I was off just going to ask that, Carrie, did you have to sedate her at the beginning? I did more for my peace of mind because it was terrifying. I had come that long, eight, nine months. I was terrified if she was going to do something stupid again and re-break it, then, uh, you know, all the last eight months were for naught. So yes, we did give her a little bit of ACE, you know, that did definitely seem to help, even though she did do a little, ah, but it ended quickly. <laughs> Um, and she was able to just go out and graze, be quiet. So, so then, you know, started talking to the vet a little more because, you know, when we watched her move and trot, she still wasn't, wasn't sound. So, um, you know, going back to my surgeon, I asked him, you know, what could be the problem or, and is there a problem? So with a lot of deliberation, we ended up going, uh, taking her back to the vet hospital to do an MRI. Oh, wow. What is involved with an MRI on a horse? Well, it's it's pretty much a, a full, uh, it's like surgery. And they have to go under completely because they have to lay them down. Um, they don't have big enough MRIs now, or at least the vet hospital that I was at uh, in New Jersey doesn't have a big enough one where they can do it standing. So they have to do it laying down. So that was the tricky part is because always as horses come out of uh, anesthesia, there's a chance that they could injure themselves. And I've heard some scary stories, which might be another fun podcast, but vets would have more experience in that than I would because I wasn't there. Um, but I decided to do it because really I needed to know what I was getting into going forward. Is there something catastrophic that we're never gonna fix and I'm gonna have to make a tough decision or are there things in there that just need more time? And realistically, the vet said this could be a two-year rehab process. Oh, wow. So I kind of wanted to know what we were looking at. So the good news was, in the end, the MRI didn't show us, and this was the vet's words exactly, it doesn't show us anything we don't already know. And I was Well, like, there's a bummer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like... Um, I don't know how to feel about that. And he was like, no, that's a good thing. And I was like, okay, explain. Um, and he goes, really, because we, we know it, it, it had broken. Um, there is no more 
broken bones in there. Nothing else is broken. There is no soft tissue injuries other than just a lot of inflammation, but nothing, no tears, no other uh, soft tissue problems. And there was no arthritis starting or no arthritic changes is the way they put it, which was the other, uh, you know, question mark. So really all the things that could be a, a even bigger bummer weren't obvious. So um, he said there is some bone swelling, which was new to me, and some fluid on the bone, which is going to take a really long time to go down. And and he just really recommended doing another cortisone injection and giving her more time, which I'm like, okay, we've already given her this much, might as well give her more. So we did the cortisone injection and we kept her on turnout. And I literally did nothing with her until this November. Okay. So, so she was just um, out in the pasture then for essentially when we talked in January to November. November, exactly. Yeah, she had a buddy, one buddy. We did monitor that she didn't ever act super crazy, but I kind of just let her be a horse. I'm like, you know, you, you need to be a horse eventually. We need to at least let you do something. So, you know, yeah, the, the barn owner, she wasn't at my place, but the barn owner said, yeah, in the mornings, you know, at feed time, her and her partner would kind of run around the field a little bit. And she goes, man, does she look great when she runs around? I said, well, that's good news. You know, let's keep her fingers crossed that she doesn't, you know, re-injure something. But um, she had a few other stupid injuries over the summer that, you know, like an abscess that took a month and something with her hawk, a totally unrelated, that made me, again, not want to ride yet. Just, you know, let's just keep kicking her out and not worry about it until November. Like I said, November was kind of my... She's looked great this long. I contacted the vet. I said, what do you think? And they're like, go ahead, get on, see what happens. See what happens. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> so this is what probably people are going to be asking. Did you sedate her before you got on her? No, <laughs> actually, she's always been great to get on. She's actually better to handle on her back than under than in, in hand. Um, I had no doubts. And the minute I put the saddle on, uh, I could tell she was just like, oh, she was getting just really excited, but in a good way. <laughs> so yeah, my first ride was maybe five, 10 minutes. Um, walked her out to the ring, walked her in hand briefly, got on, walked around for five, 10 minutes and went, good girl, let's go back. <laughs> and that was it. And just really slowly from then on, of course, I was so curious as to how her trot felt. So I would do like a half a circle or a half an arena of trot, you know, every once in a while out there just to see what we had. Very stiff. Um, I could tell it was going to be, you know, a rehab process because of just how weak she was with all of her muscles. And then just worked up from there. I mean, I know enough about exercise physiology to not need a, a written out plan. So, you know, we did little by little, roughly as we started going up 15 to 20 minutes a day. And just working in, you know, very little bit of trot, depending on how she felt, you know, as long as she felt good. I know she needed to stretch. Um, and I know she needed to work out some of that stiffness and soreness. So it was all about just being patient, which is so hard for me. <laughs> so what, what are you up to? What's an average ride now in uh, the later part of January? What is that looking like? So just before Christmas, I did my first canter on her. Um, it felt amazing. So right now we're at about 30 minutes, um, a lot of trotting. So we worked up to, you know, warm up about a good five minutes of walk, probably a good 10 minutes of trot. And then I work in a little bit of canter, uh, you know, five minutes of canter. If she's feeling really good, I might do more. 
a little bit more trot at the end and then some walking. Um, I went for my first hack last weekend with some people from the barn. And even though she was her spooky self, which is pretty normal for her, she was very good. Um, so I think being able to work in some more walk hacks, we don't have a whole lot of hills. I'd love to have some hills around, but, um, you know, until we have that, just some, you know, long, slow hacks, maybe work in some trot sets just to really just build her back up. I've been doing uh, chiropractor, uh, actually chiropractors come back tonight because had her out and they were like, wow, she is really just, uh, you know, stiff everywhere. And that's what I could feel under saddle. So we did some adjustment. Um, and we'll see how she is. This will be her second uh, chiropractor appointment tonight. So now, did we'll you see. do, um, while she was rehabbing before you got on, did you do any other like therapies with her? Or did you just say, Pinky, here's some grass, relax. <laughs> Dr. Green, we call it. Yes. Dr. Green was great, but I did. Um, and, and, you know, as much of a scientist as I am, I'm still conflicted about this, but I've seen very good results with PEMF, Pulse Electromagnetic Field Therapy. Some people like to call it MagnaWave. I think that's the older one. Um, because I actually had one of the surgeons at the vet hospital where she was said, she recommended it actually. Um, it's not a, a veterinary endorsed uh, modality usually, um, but it really just, it really, for her anyway, I think all horses react differently. It really relaxes her. And she is such an uptight, high-strung horse. Like, this was perfect for her. And even when we were showing, I was using it. I'd do it, you know, a day or two before the show and just feel like I had a totally different horse. Um, so we have been doing uh, the PEMF uh, even now. Um, you know, anywhere from uh, once a month to once a week at the beginning. Um been hitting her whole body because um, it, it needs it. Like I said, she's a little stiff and sore and around the knee just to see if I can get some of that, that bone swelling or whatever to go down. So, and then the chiropractic, those are really the two main things. So for you as a rider, you used to be, um, you used to do cross country, then you were doing some dressage, if I'm getting all this uh, correct, an adventure in dressage. Okay. So for you, having a horse that has been laid off for that long, how do you cope? What have you been doing? That's a great question, because I was doing nothing for a long time, and it was killing me. Um, yeah, because I, I am lost without riding. It's pretty much my life. So um, two things, actually. Uh, fortunate enough, my friend where Pinky was at, at the barn, was pregnant at the time. And she had an off-the-track thoroughbred as well that was doing some lower-level eventing. Um, so I was riding him kind of whenever she couldn't or wouldn't. Um, and then pretty much consistently when she was, uh, you know, going to give birth, basically. So she had her child, she broke her wrist, and she got pregnant again. So guess what? I'm still riding her horse. <laughs> You're like, Yes! <laughs> No, you didn't shove her or anything, did you? <laughs> no, actually, fun story. We ended up uh, uh, an adult amateur champion for my division in, in, uh, for dressage last year. And uh, all the judges said I really need to move up a level. So that's what we're doing this winter. She gave them to me again for this winter. And um, we're going we're gonna to work through uh, some more first level stuff. He's an older horse, so we're not going too far. But, but yeah, it's been great for me and great for her. She gets some free training on him. So, hey. <laughs> so you need to borrow a friend's horse if you're in for a long layoff. 
Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so how about Pinky's ulcers? Have you had any issues with that? I'm assuming this relaxed lifestyle of uh, doing nothing should have been helpful for that. Yeah. And that was my hope, but I was also really worried about the stall rest. Um, you know, the, the barn where she was at, it was full turnout. So there was no other horses, you know, in the barn with her. So I was a little worried about that. And I, some horses, and actually my vet said, you are extremely lucky because uh, this horse is coping very well with stall rest. Um, it was a very open barn. She could see all the horses around her. She coped very well. I will say the thing that I've learned that I cannot do is give her butte mm. because immediately after I give butte, she goes off feed for you know, the foreseeable future just, just goes off feed completely. So I know that tells me that it's upsetting her stomach. So we've the um, anti-inflammatory of choice that we've been using is Equiox. Um, and that, that seems to work great. Um, I don't have any problems with her going off feed. So, right. so yeah, since then I've had no problems as long as I stay away from Butte. So. Okay. That's good advice. So for people that are wondering why you might choose one versus another, um, the Equiox acts differently. Um, I guess we don't have to do draw hormonal or chemical pathways here. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a fun challenge, but anyhow, doesn't create ulcers. Um, and, and not that we say butte is bad, but just for some horses, they're sensitive. Right. Yeah. My other horse. And you know, if we want to talk about Mickey, we can go there is fine with butte. So, <laughs> well, yeah, let's talk about Mickey. So again, uh, poor uh, Dr. Williams in January was sharing uh, two stories of big uh, injuries, Pinky and Mickey. So Mink Mickey uh, had an eye injury last year. So maybe just refresh us what her eye injury was, because it was kind of a big deal. It's a really big deal. Um, and actually, I will say this happened quite a while ago um, when she was younger, uh, 2014, I think it was. Um, she had what's called a fungal stromal abscess, which is uh, in the layers of the cornea of the eye. There's a bunch of different layers, and the stromal layer is that middle layer. So basically, just like a hoof abscess, something gets in, it, and, and then the hoof heals over, and then the plastering inside can't get out. Same thing happened in the eye. Something scratched the cornea, bacteria or fungus got in. The cornea is really good at healing itself. It healed super quickly. And then um, and then it abscessed. Um, so, you know, if you go back and listen to that podcast, it was multiple surgeries to get that eye cleaned out and, uh, and, and healed over. And we did it. We didn't have to lose the eye, which was definitely an option. Um, but we didn't have to lose the eye. So that was good. <laughs> so has, uh, Mickey's life changed any since, uh, we last, uh, visited with her? Um, so, well, immediately after the eye injury, I did retire her. We were doing uh, prelim, uh, level preliminary level eventing, didn't feel like, even though the, the vet said she could still see fine, um, just at that level of competition, I was a little worried about depth perception and, you know, coming up to the jumps and things like that. So, um, so she ended up getting leased out to an older lady, actually my trainer's mother, who loves her like her own, spoils her to death, um, and still rides her. Little lower level dressage, does a little bit of jumping. Every once in a great while, I'll go out and jump her around too. Um, 
and as far as I know, can still see pretty well. I will say that the new happenings with Mickey, however, uh, she is 23 this year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, recently diagnosed with, with Cushing's. Um, and you know, getting to be Hey, there. guess what? We have a podcast for that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I am not on. <laughs> that's just fine. <laughs> yeah, so that's been that's been fun too. We had a little bit of weight issues during her her cushing problem. Um, you know, she's just a quirky old lady now. You know, it's funny I keep talking about her going senile, um, because uh, you know, she might be getting a little spookier and, you know, it's hard to tell, okay, is it is it the eye? Is it starting to get, um, you know, a little bit cloudier? Is it is it a little harder for her to see? Some days she acts like it, other days she's, you know, like she was 10 again. So, um, you know, it, it's hard to say. Um, I haven't had the vets out to really explore mm -hmm. it yet because I haven't found it necessary. And, and the lady who's leasing her, um, hasn't, you know, deemed it necessary either. Cause really she's other than, you know, being older and sometimes a little quirky, it's doing just fine. Okay. So, so is she on the, the treatment path for uh, PPID or just kind of management? Yep. She is on percent. We have her on one tab. Um, they did recheck her. So this in spring is when we noticed it and we checked her. Um, and then in the fall around whatever times aren't good to test, but we tested her again and it is being managed by the, the one pill. Um, we have her on limited pasture because really, um, the pasture was able to get her weight back up and she was, she was doing fine uh, on pasture. Um, I do have her on a little bit of alfalfa because I don't know if it was talked about in your Cushing's podcast or not, but alfalfa is actually lower in the non-structural carbohydrates than a lot of the cool season grasses are. So um, she does really well on a little bit of alfalfa um, as well and a, a low NSC uh, grain, a little bit of grain that's a little higher fat um, because she is still exercising. So, so she's still um, pretty active then as a 23-year-old? Very active. Uh, the lady rides her pretty much every day, uh, you know, whether she just goes for a hack with her or, you know, does uh, some dressage work, but, um, you know, like training level dressage, nothing, uh, nothing tremendous. And then, like I said, every once in a while, a little bit of jumping, but yeah, really is, is going strong and I'm thrilled. <laughs> so I think that's important um, because a lot of people uh, struggle and I assume that you are probably wondering, and maybe you don't know yet, honestly, with, with Pinky, are you two still going to have a competitive career? What do people do when your path and your horse's path diverge, so to speak? Yeah, that, that was, that, that's been something I've been thinking about for the last year and a half, tell you the truth with Pinky, um, is because I'm so competitive, could I have, and, 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 Frankly, I can't afford multiple horses in New Jersey um, and pay board. I don't have my own farm, so I have to pay pay board. So Mickey is leased out. I don't have any financial responsibilities right now, <laughs> now that she's she's fully, you know, able to be ridden. Um, but with Pinky, you know, this was kind of my spring. I said, she's going to make it or break it, really, you know. Uh, if she can't be ridden or she's not going to be a riding horse, you know, she's a mare, so we can decide to breed and, and she does have very good bloodlines. Um, uh, you know, we are still in contact with her original breeder and, uh, you know, she's for all intents and purposes could be a very good broodmare. Right now I'm riding her. Could she be a pleasure horse? 
you know, for the right person, you know, if, for if a I spirited wanted to keep person. her and do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she's not an easy horse to, to ride. She's not a beginner's horse. So that that's the issue is if she were something that anybody could ride, it would be easy to place her or easier, but she's not. So then, yeah, I would have to make the decision. Is this something I want to keep as a pleasure horse when I am a very competitive person, especially in my riding or, or what are our other options? And, you know, so far I haven't, made final decisions on any of those options because you know I'm hoping she can return to at least somewhat of a competitive life so we'll we'll see maybe we'll need a third podcast another year to update you on that but that that's kind of where my decisions lie I know um when I first talked about her I was I was really worried that we were ever going to get her back but um you know in the last I guess now eight weeks of riding she feels great she really does Uh, um you know, with the PMF and the chiropractic, we've really worked out some of the kinks. We've got her stretching. We got her round. Um, you know, I, I'm working on, you know, getting the spookiness decreased a little bit, but, you know, she has always been a spooky mare, so that'll never go away completely, probably. But yeah, so we're just every day, every time I talk about it, hopefully this podcast doesn't jinx me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, everybody keep your fingers crossed for us because, um, you know, she, she's been feeling great. So I did want to uh, visit back because you said, you know, um, well, I know academia, you're not allowed to have multiple zillions of horses and afford everything. That's just not (laughs) (laughs) but you said that you're not able to, you know, have multiple horses. Plus, you had the financial burden of this can't be cheap. So I know folks that have had like uh, MRIs on dogs, that's mm-hmm. not cheap. So I can't imagine what all that costs on the horse end. So how have you managed or faced those issues? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I know this is probably a controversial topic, but I will say I couldn't have been able to do even half of what I've done without having insurance. And that's on both of these girls, both Mickey's eye and Pinky have been covered under uh, insurance. And um, the only reason why I did Pinky's insurance is because I had such good luck with Mickey's insurance. Um, Mickey's eye injury, I had a $10,000 major medical uh, coverage on Mickey with her eye, I maxed it out and I put in five grand of my own. So not cheap at all. And that was two surgeries and a full month at University of Pennsylvania's New Bolton Center. So yes, if it, I wouldn't have had the insurance to allow me to do that, I probably would have opted to just remove the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, would have been one surgery, but it, you know, they recover very quickly and they do just fine. So that could have been the option with pinky, you know, it's been the ulcers, it's been, uh, you know, this injury, it's been everything covered under insurance. Um, I have the same thing, the $10,000 major medical on pinky for this claim for the knee, uh, alone, again, I maxed it out and probably about 2000 of my own. Um, cause the problem is here is they only put in 70% of all diagnostics. So that's something to know when I did the MRI and I don't, I don't remember the exact dollar sign, but it was probably around two grand, you know, they covered 70% of it. So decent, but I needed to also be aware to put in the rest. 
They also don't cover any injections, even though the knee absolutely from the surgeon's viewpoint needed the injections. And we tried to put in for them, but they just wouldn't cover them. Um, so those things, all those injections weren't covered as well. But all the surgeries, all the time in the hospital, um, all of that was covered. And again, she needed the she needed the first surgery. Actually, we removed some bone chips from around it was her first surgery. And then a good part of the, the MRI. Um, and then every vet check, every med uh, she's been on um, and all that. So yeah, I, I think from now on, I would always, always have insurance, either that or have a uh, vet slush fund. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know. I know my trainer does that. She puts away a thousand dollars a month into a vet bill uh, account um, because she doesn't do insurance. You could do that as well. Um, but you know. So I'm what not- does? Uh, do you mind if I ask what are those monthly? Or I don't know. I, I guess I have not had insurance on horses. Is it a monthly? Is it an annual payment? How does that actually work? You save money by doing it in the annual lump, and that that's what I've done. You can do payments, and it depends on the company, but um, and, and it varies slightly, but pretty much my premiums for both uh, Pinky and Mickey have been right around $1,000 a year, 1000 to 1200 um, but it does. It also depends on your mortality coverage. So, you know, the more the horse shows or the more you want to claim for mortality, the higher it goes. Um, it, it, but you would also have to get your horse appraised. If you want to say your horse is worth $50,000, um, you need to justify it and have an appraisal for it. I didn't do that. I put, uh, you know, 10,000 is the most you can cover without getting an appraisal, but you still need to justify it. And I have based on show records of both of my horses and, and things like that. So there's um, really two different paths then, right? So if you're talking mortality, that is to help you replace the loss of, of a horse so that you yeah. can help, I guess, help get a new one. But yeah. then you're talking the, you know, what maybe more owners, if you're going to plan on having that horse for a long time is just a medical policy. Yeah. Yeah. Major medical, they also call it surgical. And I know a lot of companies do it differently. There's sometimes surgical is separate. Sometimes companies have a separate colic surgery classification as well. Um, Mine is just all lumped under major medical. So it would cover, you know, any of that. Um, And you can decide whether you want to cover it or not. Like with her ulcers, I talked to my vet and I said, should I claim this? And she goes, well, you get about $2,000 within here and that covers two appointments and all the medication. So we did that. It covered two months of, uh, ga- of um, you know, gastroguard, of omeprazole, and, uh, and two scopings. So, um, you know, for me, it was worth it. Granted, can you ever claim it again? No, because it's exempt. Now Pinky's stomach is exempt. Her knee is exempt. Her Mickey's eye is exempt. Um, everything is that they do and they cover. They give you about a year and then it's exempt. So I have a, I have a question then. So like it goes by each part of the horse. So, or like, if you take one knee out, the other knee's not covered. (laughs) Exactly. So it says in her policy that her left knee is exempt. So it could be a different issue, but it's still the knee and they'll exempt it. However, if she did something to the right knee, that would be okay. And I could claim that. Okay. So you just keep like, have a little chart and do X's off. I have heard, and I'm a little worried about this. I have heard that insurance companies can deny you. So uh, just like with people. So if, if Pinky keeps having problems one year, they're going to come to me and be like, yeah, you're done. So do they, do they raise your premiums after you've had a thing happen? I have not really had it go up much at all in the last 
six years I've had pinky on it. Um, I think it's just normal increases with, you know, the way everything increases over time. Um, but no, I haven't seen anything like, like car insurance. We all know you have an accident, it goes up. Right. Um, I haven't seen anything like that, that severe, you know, it might be $200 more, but it might just be because of, uh, you know, the year, <laughs> you know, every, everything goes up and with age, uh, things do go up with age. I know my friend's horse that I'm riding, he's 20 and she did insure him again. And she said her premium went up like, it was almost, I think it was like, 20% or something ridiculous. Okay. And they said, that's because he's not 20. So Mickey is no longer insured. I did that. I stopped insuring her after okay. I retired her from competition. So, so do you have, um, or, or do they, I'm trying to think, compare it to human insurance. Um, so do they have like pre-existing conditions or do they have age limits or, or whatever you're willing to pay on the premium can be covered or is these too many questions? <laughs> um, you know, and they might be good questions for a uh, insurance specialist. Uh, since I, I only know from the claim end of things, I do know when I insured pinky to start, um, they ask a lot of questions. It's a lot of filling out, you know, what are you doing with the horse and what has it done? And I believe in there, there's somewhere for a vet, uh, to fill out, uh, you know, a, a recommendation or whatever clean bill of health or, you know, however that is. So I believe there was something like that in there. Um, there probably is something that is, you know, pre-existing condition exempt. Um, you know, at the time when I started insuring Pinky, she was six now, I guess, seven. Um, and she had nothing that we knew of or that the vet knew of because I did a pre-purchase. So the better did the pre-purchase, uh, you know, mentioned that he saw nothing. So um, do you have a, a guesstimate how much your insurance total has saved you from these two girls? So I only had Mickey insured for one year. Believe it or not, that first year I insured her, she we had the eye injury and then I retired her and we did not insure her again. So there was $1,000 uh, out of my pocket and 10000 back to me. So I'm up $9,000 on, on Mickey um, for, for insurance reason or the, from the insurance side of things for pinky. Um, so what did we do? We did, um, ulcers. She also had, um, she had some back issues, which actually looked like it was a track accident. Uh, she's got some lumbar, uh, spine arthritis and we did a lot of testing on that. So the ulcers in that total were probably about four or 5,000. The knee was about 10,000. So say that's 14,000 back to me. And I've had her insured for about six years where I've put in roughly 6,000. So <laughs> I would say I'm, I'm yeah. granted, whoever's listening to this is probably going to call my insurance company and be like, take her off. So, but then I know people have had their horses insured for you know, 20 years and never made a claim. So it's just like, you know, it's just like car insurance or, right. or you know, health insurance. I have another story uh, on the mortality side, which, you know, isn't a pleasant one, but I had a friend buy a really nice horse. She put a down payment down and then she was making payments. I want to say it was around $20,000 that she spent. She did not get the horse insured. She had him for a week. They found him dead in the field. Ah! Yeah, she was still, she is still making payments on a horse that she does not have. Oh my goodness. 
What so a knife in the if heart you there. Had, had that horse insured and you insured him for purchase price because that's the other way you do it. Um, you can insure for purchase price. You get a bill of sale. You send it to the company and, and that's what your mortality is. She could have had a $20,000 mortality on that horse and it would have paid for him and allowed her to get another horse. So, you know, I, I see a lot of stories from all my friends um, that, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, or those that are kind of like me, like, wow, I am so glad I had insurance. Yeah. Um, there's actually two more of my friends at the barn. Uh, my barn is plagued. Um, one had a broken coffin bone um, and one has an injury. They've been doing more testing to figure out what his problem is for a long time. And fortunately, both of them um, are covered under insurance. So they've been, they've been, you know, lucky as well. So you better hope the insurance company is not listening to this and then bans your entire barn. Barn, <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody from that barn. Um, have no friends anymore. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, you could always look at it. Like I said, like my trainer just, you know, keeps putting away money and it's de designated as her, her vet fund. And, you know, if you have 10 or $20,000 in the vet fund and your horse has to go in for colic surgery, it could be seven to $12,000. Mm -hmm. um, well, then at least you have it. So I, I know there's different ways of doing it, but um, I, I found pretty good luck with insurance. Well, I really appreciate you uh, sharing some updates on the girls. I know everybody was curious uh, how that knee injury was going to turn out. So sounds somewhat cautiously optimistic, but again, we're going to have to check back. <laughs> yeah, cross fingers and toes. Like I said, so far so good. At least I'm riding her and, and it's fun to have her back. And she's a horse that needs a job. She's She's not a lazy, you know, field pet. She really, really likes having a job. <laughs> well, very good. So if any, uh, anybody is interested in hearing more about Pinky and Mickey, they're featured in a number of our previous podcasts. We'll put those in the show notes. Um, so we've talked about how to take care of thin horses, how to manage ulcers, um, and then their injury stories. And certainly since now you are the happy owner of a PPID horse, <laughs> we can uh, we've done those just recently. Um, yeah. Some good advice on how to manage uh, those guys. So again, appreciate your time and hopefully uh, your chiropractic appointment today with Pinky goes well and your uh, path is continuing upwards um, and back into the show ring. Thank you everybody for listening. All right. Well, that has been our Tack Box Talk, Horror Stories with a Purpose. <laughs>